0: Mac Power Users Episode Six Hundred and Three: Working with iWork. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by my pal and yours, Stephen Hackett. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I am outstanding. I don't know why, but I I just feel really good today. That's good. Like you know, the the weather's been super nice here. Oh, you know what? They announced a past program. It's called Magic Keys at Disneyland. So now I can go back to my remote office again.
1: Very nice. Uh
0: just a lot going on. And you have uh you've kicked off the uh the St. Jude thing. Well, sort of kicked it off, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So really September is childhood cancer awareness month. So that's really when we really get into it. Um, uh, but we are starting it uh now. So the the page is up. It'll be the first link in the show notes to learn more uh, and to donate. But, you know, we've talked about Saint Jude in the past and one thing that's sort of hard to wrap my mind around a little bit is the the truly like global reach of Saint Jude. So I've got some numbers for you, David, uh, that All I think right. are really, really interesting. So let's hear it. Let's hear it. It's it's estimated that more than four hundred thousand kids worldwide develop cancer each year. But because of the state of the world being so different around the world, only about half of them are ever diagnosed. In the U.S., more than four out of five children survive cancer. But in many developing countries, that statistic is actually reversed. Fewer than one out of five children diagnosed with cancer will live. And so in 2018, St. Jude became the first and only World Health Organization collaborating center for childhood cancer. And their goal is to raise the survival rate of six common ho- six common childhood cancer diagnoses by sixty percent to twenty thirty. So get get that all the way up to sixty percent. That is like a big ambitious goal, and I just love that St. Jude is in the fight in this. Not just here in Memphis or here in Tennessee or here in the U.S., but truly a global mission.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I I just love that we do this every year. We talked about it at the dinner table the other night. Uh, the kids were, were both home, and we, we knew this was coming up, and we talked about how much money as a family we're going to try and put together this year to help St. Jude. And and I hope you, you, too, if you're listening, if you want to help Stephen and St. Jude get a jump start, you can go click the link right now and get started.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love your support there. So uh, it is stjude.org slash relay. Again, it's the first link in the show notes. And uh, save the date. September 17th will be the the podcast-a-thon. Looking forward to that. It'll run from 11 to, or excuse me, 12 to 8 Eastern time on Friday, September 17th. And I'm pumped to be doing this again. It's awesome to give back, and it's a great way to give back uh, to an institution that means so much to my family as uh, a parent of a childhood cancer survivor, but also to uh, so many other people out there.
0: Well, I mean, right now in the world, there are a lot of people that are polarized over issues. I mean, of course, the big one everybody knows is Star Wars versus Star Trek, but there's other smaller ones too. And, but one thing we can all unify behind is let's help kids who have cancer get better, you know, and no matter where you're coming from, where your head is right now, I feel like that's something we can all get behind. And, uh, like I said, this is, I'm really, uh, I feel like this is something that's really important, and I'm really glad that mm-hmm. we can play a small role in it at the Mac Power Users community. Um, I have something that's less, far less dramatic. Um, I'm doing <laughs> uh, some some webinars again. Awesome. I, uh, last year I did a couple, and somehow I got off the track, I think, with COVID, and I lost the private studio, and everything kind of got weird. But uh, I'm starting to get a little more time when I can like schedule things where I won't be interrupted, And I am going to try and do these monthly again, and I'm doing the first one. I'm starting with Apple Mail, and that is going to be on September 2. That's just this Thursday after this show publishes. Uh, You can sign up. There's a link in the show notes, and it's a free webinar. There's no charge or anything. And I'm going to spend some time talking about Apple Mail because lately – I've started to lose confidence in the fact that these plugins are going to continue to exist. I know Apple has this new mail kit and I think it's going to probably scale a lot of the tools back. So I've been using Apple script and keyboard maestro and some other cool tricks to really make Apple mail dance for me. And I'm happy with the way it's coming out. Uh, We talked last week about how I was using the number pad to trigger some of these scripts. I'm Mm -hmm. going to explain that too. And it's just going to be kind of a nice little, um, Webinar where I go through and explain how to make Apple Mail work better for you. And if you're using Apple Mail, I hope you join me. Uh, I know I can never pick a good time for these, right? I, I picked 9 a.m. on Thursday, September second, Pacific, but that's inevitably going to screw somebody over, whether you're, you know, in Asia or Europe or you know, it's the middle of the night somewhere. And always is uh, turns yeah, out. So I, yeah, I set it up this time. So if you sign up and you can't be there you'll get a link afterwards for a limited time where you can watch a replay. So well, that's cool. You know, if you're somewhere where you can't see it, go ahead and sign up anyway. You'll, you'll get a link for it. But if you can be there, I'd appreciate it. Cause nobody wants to give a webinar and have nobody show up for it. So I'll I be there. Appreciate <laughs> <seeing you> there. <laughs> I'll be there.
1: Uh, All right. Well, yeah, lo- that's good. I'm looking forward to this. I think your webinar stuff's really cool. And I'm yeah. looking forward to, uh, yeah, looking forward to hanging out, talking about mail, listening to you talk about mail.
0: That, that's this Thursday. And uh, I, I do have some tricks up my sleeve. So. See you there. Perfect.
1: Today on more power users, we're going to talk about something that I am uh, currently experiencing. I texted you about it and we was like, oh, let's save for the show about working while standing. So I have a new standing desk and I know you have, uh, you've had one for a long time. And we've uh, we talked a little bit about it before, like in our desk setups and stuff. But I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole today on on more power users.
0: Yeah, I'm super curious because the text you sent me could have been taken seriously or it could have been taken ironically, and I'm not sure where you're coming from. So it was it was serious. All right, good. Well, we're going to talk about
1: that today. Good. <laughs> the The main uh, topic today, though, is iWork Apple's collection of uh, productivity applications for not only the Mac but of course the iPad and the iPhone and the web browser now basically yeah. everywhere but the Apple Watch. And in getting into this, I really was struck by how long these have these applications have been around. I mean, we first got Keynote way back in 2003 and there's this great little video I have a link in the show notes to jobs introducing it he's like yeah they they uh found this like one poor sap to be the beta tester because he had been using it to build his macworld presentations for a year before it ever came out it was the it was the application built for steve jobs
0: yeah i mean and it always showed that and we have covered the iwork suite in the past but a lot of water's gone under the bridge there's been a lot of changes and there's also frankly been a lot of movement with its competitors. So today we're gonna really kind of dig deep on where iWork fits with all this. And I I feel like you keynote has always been the, you know, the gem of iWork because of those roots. You know, it started out for for the big man himself.
1: I wouldn't want that job, right? You get the email from Steve at like eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. He's like, hey, I want you to build me a presentation application. Like that's probably a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. No, no, no worry there just for the CEO (laughs) and he's going to do it live in front of thousands of -hmm. people. So if anything goes wrong, there's no reason it would be, you know, the end of your job.
1: Yeah. You know, and I've watched probably more old Apple keynotes than most people. I don't think there was ever one where it seemed like the presentation itself like glitched out or freaked out. I think from the beginning it was pretty solid and it, it's fun to see it evolve and get more complex because it it was an application they used internally and externally. And I, I agree with you. It's sort of to me like the beating heart of uh of iWork in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. I also think uh I was just thinking about the one time I saw something go wrong in a presentation was when those uh, those Wi-Fi devices first started to show up. For a while, you could buy a device from your cellular carrier that would get a Wi-Fi signal over the ATT t or Verizon signal. I forget what they called the device, but it was like a little box you put in your pocket. You turn it on, and it 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 gave Wi-Fi. And everybody uh, had the idea to bring those to an Apple presentation, so the room got filled with like a thousand Wi-Fi networks. Yeah. And, and suddenly that interfered with the ability to transition slides and Steve Jobs just stopped and said, okay, well, this is the problem. You guys made way too many Wi-Fi networks and now our system isn't working so you can either turn them off or we can stop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it know? was the the hotspots. That, that was the thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it was the, uh, maybe in like talking about FaceTime with the iPhone four, I, I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. And he gets like visibly upset, but most of the time it was, it was smooth sailing, um, but we got keynote and then we got pages a couple years later and then we got numbers in 2007 the most yeah. elegant way to make a spreadsheet according to apple and uh, you know this really came out of the world of of apple works which a lot of our listeners will remember that name i loved apple works i used a lot a lot of version 6 in high school and it was this collection of productivity tools you had a word processor and a drawing application and a painting application and had a database application. iWork didn't go as far as Apple Works did, but it was designed to meet the needs of of most people, I think, who needed these sorts of tools. And uh, you know, it got bundled up as iWork for a while. You get like the new release on DVD, and then it was in the App Store, and it was bundled for free for a while, and now I think they're all free everywhere. But uh this this suite of applications has a really long history. It's really pretty uh pretty amazing to think about just how long it's been around in my mind. It's not that old, but it, it really is.
0: When, when you think about it is maybe all of us old time Mac users, this journey of shortcuts and iWork just one long reach to get back to the days of Apple works and yeah. hypercard. I, I just think we're, <laughs> yep. we're just inevitably headed back to that, that place. But seriously, I, I think the uh, iWork suite is much maligned uh, without merit, there is some really great stuff you can do with this. You get it free with a Mac now. I mean, it's so you get a new Mac, you've got the iWork suite, and I I guess you get it free with iPhone and iPad too. But to me, I associate so much of the work I do with these applications on the Mac. Me too. And they um and it really has been a journey because they've tried to evolve it. I mean, the the underlying theme, and you're going to hear it throughout this episode, is that they try to make these applications simple to use and elegant in design where Mm -hmm. you want to make good looking a word processor the goal is to make a a printed page and they want to make a very nice looking printed page at the end of the day Um, so that's kind of always been the number one on the whiteboard uh, for these apps but they've also you know dipped their toes into compatibility with more popular apps like the microsoft suite they've Um, they've dipped their toes into online collaboration. In fact, I guess we should share right now. uh, We normally outline Mac power users in Google Docs. This week, we did the whole show in a shared pages document. We sure did.
1: It was a big change for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, for you in particular. I remember when you first came on, I said, you know, we've used Google Docs, but there's other, you know, would you like to look at Apple Notes or Pages? And you were just like, Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs. was It was non-negotiable. That's a, I think it's the only time I've ever heard you speak in that tone. I, I felt like, man, <laughs> now I know what your kids deal with, you know. But the, yeah. uh, but the uh, <laughs> you know, we so I put you in a Pages document this week, and we've got some kind of funny stories about that We'll we'll share later, but... But it is collaborative now, and and mm-hmm. there is a way to do that. So that's there. Yeah. Um. So something I want to talk about in relation to kind of the history of all this, and this is where the iWork suite lost a lot of people, and that's one of the reasons I want to come back to it. Frankly, to to talk about on the show again is what I I lovingly call the Great Unification. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That that wasn't written down anywhere. I just kind of came up with the phrase. And it's hard it's hard for me to believe it's been this long, but it was 2013 (laughs) that the great unification happened. And I bet a lot of listeners know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, this this was a really big shift. I mean, up until this point, there was the Mac version of iWork, and then we got the mobile versions. Like I remember with the first iPad, it was a big deal that it had iWork, right? It was like you can do your documents and your spreadsheets all on this tablet device, but they were really different applications with pretty different feature sets and that the mobile versions in particular didn't have a lot of the, the more higher end features that the desktop versions had. So in 2013, uh, they, they were merged and the iPhone and iPad versions got better but at the same time, a lot of features that were in the Mac version—I remember in particular AppleScript support—missing in the beginning. Uh, the Mac apps really took a step backwards. I think it's sort of the same path that maybe Final Cut took. Remember when Final Cut Pro 10 came out and it lacked all this, all these things that people were used to. A lot of people wrote it off, and the truth is today Final Cut has all those features again, or at least most of them. But people kind of wrote it off in the beginning, and the same thing happened to iWork in 2013. And since then, Apple's been, I think it's fair to say, rebuilding those features. And not not everything came back. Some things came back in really different ways. But now if you use iWork on an iPad or a MacBook Air or even the web to an extent, the features are are, are pretty much all the same. And we'll get into some, some fine print there, but they're more or less the same application on the same code base now. And it's taken time for Apple to kind of regain the ground they gave up to do that
0: yeah i mean there were there were really two problems before the first was for users is that there were features on one platform that weren't on the other and when you moved your document between them you may not be able to use the feature that you expected to be able to use and the second problem for apple was expense you're paying to develop pages twice you've got to make the version Mm. for iphone and ipad you've got to make the version for mac and they're two separate apps so Um, They really kind of took a step backward by, as I understand it, kind of, you know, uh, they stopped making the independent Mac version so much as, and they made the mobile version into a Mac version as well. So that, you know, when they add a feature, it can get published to all three platforms. I mean, we're kind of seeing the payoff on this, this mindset with this most recent release cycle and these betas we're in right now, where we're getting features like focus mode for all platforms at once. I mean, that just was something you never heard of before. And back in 2013, they started that road for this iWork suite. And I know of some listeners, I won't name them out loud like TJ, but people <laughs> in our forums were going insane at the time because there were features they relied upon that just one day were gone, you know? Yeah.
1: And that's and that's not a good place to be. And the old versions stuck around for a while, but it's one of those things like, okay, the writing's on the wall that this is where these applications are going, right? You never want to be using the version of an application that the, the developer considers the legacy version. Like at some yeah. point you're going to hit a wall with that. And yeah. in fact, the 32-bit macOS Catalina brick wall is, is where most of those died. But yeah, they, they have added a lot of those things back, and I think that sort of path is one that Apple isn't isn't necessarily going to walk down again. I mean, to think about bringing these really these mobile apps to the Mac in 2013, I mean now we have Catalyst and Swift UI and all of these tools to make that easier. And you know, just so to say, now something like Photos, they are separate. The the version of the Mac is is a separate application than what's on iOS and iPadOS. But if they were to merge them, I don't think it would be as choppy water as would happen in the wake of this merging in 2013.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in in fairness, the, you know, photos was built in a world where both platforms existed and it was built for that purpose. Whereas, you know, the, the iWork suite was built for the Mac to begin with. And then like, when the iPad was announced, this was the reason they were trying to sell. They didn't know why people would buy iPads, but one of the big pushes at the original event where Steve had that big comfy chair was you can do your iWork documents here. So the mobile version was built to sell iPads. And it's like they, there were different, you know, tracks of this software made for different purposes. And you knew that was going to inevitably crash on the rocks and it was rough for a couple of years. But I I do feel like at this point, that's kind of behind us.
1: I I do too. And in fact, the new current iWork applications will open old documents. And so I've got a, a support page about that in the show notes, but I went through my like sort of archive drive and found a bunch of really old iWork documents. I mean, some of them from like 2004, 2005 and just opened them and, uh, you know, sometimes you get a warning that this or that isn't quite right. And then when you save it, it saves it as an updated file format. But Apple, I think, has done a good job of bringing those legacy documents along. It's not like, uh, you know, some people are stuck with, you know, uh, WordPerfect documents and they've moved on. You know, it's it's a much easier path. And I give Apple credit for that. They didn't have to do that. I'm sure that was quite a bit of work to do that, I would imagine. But if you do have those old you know, old spreadsheets, old presentations, old documents hanging around from the, the previous era, you can just bring them right along with you. And I, I think that's I think that's great. And I I to me that is a big sign that Apple I think they knew in twenty thirteen that this was going to be a bit of a mess. And so keeping the old apps around as long as they did and making sure the for the file format was compatible, I think that was done very purposefully.
0: I also know um, I, I've had an opportunity to interact with some of the Apple iWork team, some of the folks on it, and um, uh, and I met with them at WWDC f- several years ago. And I know a lot of them actually listen to the show, so thank you, guys and gals. But th- they also know these guys are very vigilant about that mission of the this iWork suite. They, you know, this is not an app that Apple ignores where there's like a guy that gets assigned to it every six months. And, you know, you can see with the way it's progressed since the unification that, you know, there is a team of passionate developers behind iWork. And this is not a suite you have to worry about that's not going to get enough support from Apple because it does.
1: Yep. And 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 we're on a course now where every year or so there are major updates, and I mean, I feel like pretty frequently there are also minor updates. It is getting ongoing attention, which is which is good. I mean, you can trust it
0: yeah, I saw the other day you had a tweet out about your your very exciting update to the iWork suite.
1: Oh yes, yes, I do remember that yeah i don't like <laughs> I don't like the current icons, and it looks like in Monterey they're going to change them, and I'm all for that so that is uh, that's good news for everybody. That's really the most important thing. I think coming in Monterey.
0: <laughs> this episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by text expander from smile. Go to textexpandercom slash podcast to get 20% off with that link and type more with less effort. Text expander removes the repetition out of work. So you can focus on what matters most with text expander. You can say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste and better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used on any platform, in any app, anywhere you type. With Text Expander, you can take back your time and increase your productivity. And best of all, show listeners get 20% off their first year just recently i had a meeting with another attorney where we were working on a matter for a mutual client and during the meeting we started drafting a document and i started triggering text expander snippets while he was looking over my shoulder and he saw how i was adding contract clauses and making changes to the document uh, gender designation and different things that i was doing with text expander and I wasn't really thinking about it. But at one point, he just stopped me and says, What are you doing? Because he had never seen anything like it. By the time we left the meeting, he had already subscribed to Text Expander. And that's really what happens to people who've never used it before. Once you start seeing it in action, you just realize how useful Text Expander can be. With it, you can not only do, you know, paste in little snippets of text by typing short text, but you can do fill ins and you can do Apple scripts and there's just so much more power in Text Expander, and best of all, it works on the iPhone and the iPad. They even have a version for Windows. So, uh, what are you waiting for? Head over to TextExpander.com/podcast today. Sign up for Text Expander. Let them know you heard about it at the Mac Power Users, and start saving time today. Thanks, Text Expander, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users.
1: So let's start with that sort of beating heart of iWork. Let's start with Keynote the original application out of them to me it's the one that sort of stands head and shoulders above the rest not to say that pages and numbers aren't fantastic but keynote really is the one to me that is the most Applely app out of iWork i think
0: yeah i feel like keynote really blazed the path for excellent presentation software if you look back at the time, because I, I was working at a law firm that used Windows, and so we were using Windows presentation software and PowerPoint and all these. And when Keynote showed up, it was just so clear how much better it was. And I immediately adopted it. In fact, as a guy who goes out and speaks at conferences to lawyers about technology, especially you know back in the time that Keynote was kind of new and fresh, I knew lawyers that were diehard Windows users that kept a MacBook in a drawer solely for the purpose of giving keynote presentations, um, because it was just so far superior to anything out there. And to this day, I really think it has that legacy. And, and I'm sure Steve's influence was there. Um, you know, I have in the last couple of years talked to so many former Apple people about Steve Jobs, people who worked with him. And I don't think I ever really appreciated how much his taste influenced Apple design and um, you know because there's a part of me it's like, well, he wasn't really a developer and you know but no, this guy would walk in a room and really kind of get to the bottom of what was wrong with your app in seconds and mm. and you see that in in keynote like a couple things it does that nobody was thinking about at the time is number one, font rendering. I mean, if you looked at, like, the way PowerPoint used to render fonts versus Keynote, it was night and day. I mean, you'd get jaggies on PowerPoint fonts, and you just never did with Keynote. And then the idea of the simplicity in the themes, but then, like, all of the different ways you can apply the themes with, you know, they, they just did such an excellent job with those built-in themes. And I would give uh, presentations to jurors and other people in relation to my law practice, and I would always get asked afterwards for my slides um the uh you know there's a thing when you do when you do a trial you're not allowed to talk to the jury it's you know it's really weird like you're going to the bathroom and at the urinal the guy stands next to you and he's one of the jurors you know not that i would talk to the guy next to me but it's like it's weird right okay <laughs> this is going this is going a weird direction but you know what i mean like you're walking around the hallway <laughs> sure uh, uh but and and so you've got to like look down and like be kind of rude to the people. And, uh, and at the end you get to talk to them and they would always say, Hey, I really want your PowerPoint slides. And I really believe a lot of it was just the themes and the font rendering of keynote. It wasn't that PowerPoint was, was, um you know, was worse or whatever, but they, they're so used to seeing those ugly PowerPoint fonts and themes that just the fact that I'm using something different would, would make them want to see those slides. Another thing, that it does really good as animation.
1: Yeah, that's where I, that's where I really for me keynote grabbed me for the first time because you could do all of these really smooth, nice-looking animations, but you could ramp up the complexity in a way that is really pretty easy to understand, like the the different builds you can do and the timing between them. All of that clicked for me in a way that it really didn't in PowerPoint in those early days. And I think even today, those anim- those animations and transitions still look better than anything else on the market. I mean, we'll get down to our, our uses of this in a minute, but that's one one reason I still use Keynote when I, when I have these things to do because if I, I want things to move on screen, not only does it look great, but there's really not an easier way to do it than just opening a keynote slide and starting to put things on the page.
0: When they announced Magic Move, it was at a Mac World Expo. I don't remember what year it was, but I was there that year. And at the Apple booth, they had this massive you know, screen and they had a deck of cards and they were animating the deck of cards using Magic Move. And Magic Move is where in keynote, you can say, In slide one, I want the, you know, the ace of spades in the upper left corner and slide two, I want it in the lower right corner and you say magic move that. And then the keynote automatically builds the animation that moves it from one place to another on the screen. And I was doing a lot of construction law at the time where I would be animating water droplets when we'd have water intrusion cases. And like I had to, draw animation paths for each drop of water Ooh. and it was like insane and so but i would do that and they look great and the jurors love it then i realized magic move i can do it in one step and <laughs> you know and magic move like because we're going to talk you can use keynote for a lot more than making presentations but magic move is like always your friend in this when i had that lunch with the with the team from my work i said at some point during the lunch i said whoever you know you know, came up with magic move. I owe that guy a beer. And then like the guy across the table from me raises his hand, you know, (laughs) it was amazing, you know, Uh, but you know, this team of guys and and gals at, at, at Apple, they really are thinking through this stuff. And, and you're right. The animations just continue to impress. Like the anvil is another one. I would love to hear the story why they decided to make an anvil. Uh, I suspect it's like a price drop thing. And Steve Jobs said, I want it to yeah. Being an anvil. But but when it drops in the anvil, it like raises a cloud of dust. And it's just like all the little touches are there mm-hmm. that really make it stand out. And stuff like that. Because I don't like to use a lot of animation. But when I do use animation, I want it to really wow. Uh,
1: another thing that I think is very happily about Keynote in particular is the ability to bring in uh, video and other media into your presentation and anyone who used PowerPoint in these early days remembers the uh, the old file format for PowerPoint couldn't have embeds. And so you would need to like have a flash drive with your PowerPoint and any media files you wanted to play. And with Keynote, you just drug them right in. They got copied in. It was just part of your presentation. And uh, I remember being able to to use that in, in presentations and like be able to show a clip of something and it just be sort of mind-blowing to people and and even today you can do that in PowerPoint but it again it's so much smoother with Keynote so much easier to do because Keynote has access to all the stuff on Apple's platforms it makes video playback so good it just you know just uses those frameworks and everything is smooth sailing.
0: Yeah and those video controls are really powerful you can add keyboard shortcuts to them Here's a power tip for anybody who's giving a presentation about how to use their Mac, maybe to your user group or, or friends. You split those videos into pieces at every stopping place and you you embed them in keynote slides. And that way, when you play it, it plays just to the point you want and it stops. And then you can talk for a little while and you press the button again and it continues where you left off, and you never have to worry about like the Wi-Fi blanking out or something, you know, a notification coming in because you've pre-shot all the video. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen in Thursday at my webinar, but that's probably what's going to happen on Thursday at <laughs> my webinar.
1: Yeah, you don't want to rely on on internet access or something like that. Uh, giving a presentation, you want everything baked in for sure.
0: Do you have a favorite transition? Like, hmm.
1: The Anvil one is really good, uh, just because it's, if you want to make a big point. But I tend, I mean, you've seen me give talks. Yeah. Uh, the, our presentation style, in terms of our slides, is extremely different from each other. Sure. Yeah. Yours, like, you're using all this magic move. And yours is like a, a Pixar movie. Like, it's beautiful to watch, and I'm following along, and you have it all timed, just correctly. Mine tend to be, basically, slides with giant text, and then, then I talk for five minutes without changing the slide. Sure. Uh, so I tend to I tend to defer to the simpler ones
0: yeah you have like 10 slides I'll have like 300 right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's not an exaggeration <laughs> when, I, when I see the opening statements you have to share the slides with the uh, opposing counsel before you give your statement and I'd give them a notebook and they really didn't know what was coming for them because it didn't show the animations you know mm-hmm. but there'd be like 300 because it would show each phase of the build and they'd be like are you kidding me you're gonna give you know <laughs> how long are you going to talk i'd be like uh eh, 20 minutes you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, uh i i have one that i don't know if it's my favorite but it's the one that i keep looking at they've got an animation called flame where you like set words on fire or yeah. objects on fire Piles i want to u- i want to use that sometime i don't know when i'm going to use it but for some reason, I like when I actually give presentations, I actually try to be very subtle and not go overboard because I think, you know, if you go crazy with animations, it loses the effect. But someday I'm going to set something on fire in one of my presentations. Fantastic. I just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some of the ways we're using Keynote.
1: Yeah, a, a big one for me. So, I mean, I do give, you know, a handful of talks a, a year back in the back in the day and i use it for that again relatively simple slides simple transitions but what's been more frequent for me is actually using keynote as an animation tool in my youtube videos and so if you're watching a youtube video of mine and you see movement chances are i did it in keynote i mean there will sometimes be something that pops into view like when i'm talking like over my shoulder and then animate back out that's in final cut like I don't know why this is the one that came into my mind, but in my iMac G4 video, I have a uh, a snippet of video where it's the three different sizes coming in. I think it's actually using the anvil effect. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of it. And I put that together in Keynote and then exported it as a QuickTime video and dropped it into Final Cut. And I could do that some of that stuff in Final Cut or in Motion or some plugins and stuff, but Keynote makes it so easy... I would rather just do it in Keynote and and render it out and then just drop it into my timeline as its own sort of little bundle of video.
0: Yeah, and you can actually save an, an animation out of Keynote uh, without the alpha layer. I mean, you can save it without a background. And then you can lay it into something like Final Cut or a video editing software, and it's just another layer of video. So if you have a cool animation, or maybe you like the way keynote renders words on the screen they've got a couple cool animations for that um then you can go ahead and save that out Mm -hmm. alpha and then then put it on top of your other video and it, it just looks great and i just think it gets underrated as a video production tool like you i use it for presentations i also use it um for all all the max barkey screencasts i mean most of them have some sort of keynote element a lot of the times i'll do the titles with keynote like the opening and closing card if there's animation on them in the paperless field guide there was a really cool text animation that kind of drew the text in. i liked the way it looked and i thought it made sense for a paperless field guide so i i animated every one of the titles for the hundred or so videos in that field guide Um, and if i want to put something in the middle like an explainer i'll do it there as well and that's kind of an interesting way um jf uh, Brissett gave me the idea of performing a keynote. That's what he called it. And it's the idea of you build a keynote out and then you turn on a microphone and you screen capture your performance of the keynote. Hmm. And, uh, you know, getting the beats right as you're talking to a microphone without yeah. an audience, it's, it takes a little practice, but I find that a very good use for the application. I also kind of look at it as a test layout tool. Um, I know there are better tools for this, but I know some developers that like will mock up an application in Keynote. Mm -hmm. You just put the, you know, the wireframes of the iPhone in, and then you kind of see what the screens or the user interface looks like. And then you can use animations or just, you know, um, jumps between slides to see how you would go from this to that and see if you think that would work. You know, the layout tools in Keynote, and this is true throughout the iWork suite are amazing. You know, when you, put a line on the screen if you want it to center or you know, hit it in the dead center or or vertical or horizontal center or on the side, everything just snaps together and uh, even does that with object spacing. So like if you've got three things on the screen, you can drag them until they, they snap in on a horizontal center. So they're all on the same line across the screen. And then you grab the center one and move it left or right until it's the exact center of the other two objects. Yeah. And I mean, this all takes seconds, and then mm-hmm. you just select all three of them, and then you drag them to the dead center of the screen, and you've got a, a very quick way to do object layout on a screen. And yeah, as a killer feature, in my opinion,
1: I've used uh, Keynote for like our when we were doing live shows to work out like signal path of like, okay, where the microphone is going to be. Like, if people remember our big uh, Relay FM Family Feud we did in California couple years ago. It was a very complex live show and I had a keynote document, no animation thing, just using all those layout tools you just mentioned to kind of figure out where things were going to go on stage and what was going to connect where. And uh, I really want to highlight what you said about the alignment and the distribution tools. In so many other applications, you've got to select the objects and hit align or distribute and you know, like in, in Adobe applications, there's little icons and you, they're not super clear what they mean. And a, these Apple apps just do it automatically. They, they, they want to make that really easy to do. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done, uh, you know, in videos, just slides that don't even move, but because the text and alignment tools are so much better than they are anywhere else, just export out a PNG out of Keynote and drop yeah. it into a video or drop it into another document. It's, it's funny that a presentation tool and really pages has this as well and, and numbers to a lesser degree. These, these layout tools are really easy to use and you have lots of control over shapes. And you have, you mentioned uh, alpha channel stuff. So if you have an image with a white background and you want to get rid of the background, it's very easy to do that and make it transparent. All of these, I mean, they're almost bordering on graphic design tools built into your your presentation application and my th- my thought is that Apple one of them in there so keynote could be a one-stop shop for making the best presentation you can and you're not bouncing back and forth between a photo editor and a word processor and all these other things just put it all under one roof
0: and what borders on sacrilege I was collaborating with an attorney on a word document and we wanted to put a graphic in the document and I made it in keynote and I just had a I built it on a white background and you know, exported the PNG, and dropped it in Word, which was not easy, by the way, but that's another <laughs> discussion. Um, but we, you know, we we made something that that looked really great, but it was of course keynote, it all started in Keynote. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm doing with Keynote, which is kind of a, a secret for a future field guide, not the Devon Think one that, that's almost done now, um, but a future one. I'm going to incorporate more animation because I have a lot of um I have a lot of talking head videos in a future field guide and I was looking at the, you know, the test footage and some of the videos. And I'm like, this is like a, a hostage video. You know, I'm just sitting there looking at the screen. And so I've got someone helping me out. Who's drawing, you know, animated, you know, little stick figures and things for me that are going to go in and I'm going to do all that animation in keynote that's because awesome. that's the tool I know. And I can actually, I've been playing with it. And I can actually make it look pretty good just using Keynote, so it's an animation tool as well. But yeah, it's an amazing app, but there are ways it could get better. And I was thinking, in, in particular with Keynote, I've got some requests. Um, number one is I would like an ability to have Keynote automatically translate to different languages for me. I've given a couple presentations lately that involve people that speak other languages, and I thought, wouldn't it be great If I could give them a set of slides or even give them the presentation with words in their language on the screen. And I feel like Apple could do this, you know, with all the translation stuff they've got built into Siri at this point. Why not push a button and say, hey, give me this presentation in Spanish Mm. And, and just take every word and translate it to Spanish. Uh, That's one thing I'd like to see. Uh, Another one is I, as much as i like layout, I'd like to see some more help with layout, like all the artificial intelligence stuff, like say, here's all the elements I want to put on the screen, make them look good for me and you sort them out. You know, why not AI assisted layout? Of course, always additional animations, transitions, text effects. I feel like they've been a little quiet lately. We haven't got as many new ones in the last several years. Yeah, And the same the same thing with templates. I felt like for a while we were getting a lot of new templates with every release and it doesn't feel like we're getting as many now. And I think one of the, the tricks of Keynote is having a lot of, of built-in templates so people can pick different ones. And uh, those, I feel like have taken a little bit of a back burner lately.
1: Yeah. And I think some of the ones that are, are kicking around across the iWork suite, it's probably time to be retired or at least really downplayed with some new ones. I mean, I think some of them in particular look pretty dated at this point um, now when you go into the the theme chooser, they are separated into different categories and so if you don't want to see any of the textured ones, you know you don't have to scroll down that far, but I think even some overhaul of some of these older ones you know may be nice I mean some people do want one that looks like a chalkboard, but maybe bring that into the present in some new ways, you know our current what is currently in style is very uh, flat and minimal. And so could you, could you bring the, that sensibility to something that's still fun and maybe more ready for a classroom? I don't know. Just yeah, kind of, in addition to new ones, which I totally agree with, I'd like to see them uh, get, bring some love to the old ones.
0: Another thing I'd like to see them add to it is like a, um, maybe AI based critique of your presentation. Um, like, you could finish your presentation, and then it could go through it for you and say, hey, you've got, like, a lot of words on this page, or your text is really small, and it's going to be hard for people to read. Like, kind of help people bring modern presentation sensibilities to their presentation. And I feel like with the state of AI, they could probably do a pretty good job of that.
1: That would be really interesting. Like, yeah. hey, this, this transition's too fast, or... Yeah the slide goes by and people aren't going to have time to read it, you know, that sort of yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You have 17 bullets on this page, dummy, you know, <laughs> yeah, break it up into more pages don't, don't or get that. rid of some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah so I, I think there's, a, I think there's room to improve it and kind of modernize it. But, um, keynote continues to, to rock.
1: Yeah, man. This episode of Mac power users is brought to you by Pingdom from solar winds. If you have a website, what purpose does it serve? Maybe it's driving people to your products or collecting sales leads for your company. Maybe it's providing customer service with contact forms. Well, when any of these critical transactions fail, you're losing out on business. Not to mention the bad experience that your users are having. But there's a solution to this. Transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Starting at just $10 a month, transaction monitoring runs checks 24-7 it will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and before they affect your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there is a failure over SMS, email, or via your favorite apps like Slack, Ops Genie, or PagerDuty. And depending on what's being monitored or the severity of the outage, you can customize who's alerted and how they get the notification. So don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You should be the first one to know. It's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash relayfm right now. And you'll get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to buy, use the code MPU at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and relay FM.
0: All right, after keynote came pages and the Pages uh, release was very... And we've got a link to that um, that Apple support page about Pages. But the um, I really feel like they were very clear with the release of Pages. Because at the time Pages was released was like peak, you know, jet fighter cockpit mode for Microsoft Word. You know, when <laughs> Pages really came out, it was like the Microsoft Word toolbars and, and options. I mean like there was a way to configure it where there was like one line of text on the screen and everything else was UI and, and pages came out like a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And so number one, I feel like the goal was let's make something that's easy to use and doesn't look like a jet fighter cockpit. And number two is let's make something that prints really good looking documents because, you know, don't lose track of the fact that pages is a word processor. It is a doc. It is an application made to print, or print via PDF or an actual, you know, printed page, good looking documents. And I feel like that was, that's always been the focus of this application.
1: Yeah. I think pages has always had a bit of a a split personality with that though, where you have, yeah, I can just like open a blank document and start typing a book or an essay but then there's also these templates for flyers and newsletters and posters and cards and, and all sorts of other things. And so it can it can scale up from a basic word processor all the way up to something where you're you know you're putting together some really nice thing to hang in the wall of your dorm, you know, talking about the next, you know, yeah. campus meeting or whatever, right? It, it it really scales upward in a way that I don't think Word really has ever reached. I mean, even today and current versions of Word, bringing in a lot of imagery or layout is not easy. You know, and and back in the day, people were using Microsoft Publisher for that. And you still see publisher documents floating around sometimes, and it makes me sad. But Apple kind of went after both applications with Pages. And to this day, it, it still holds, you know, kind of these different tracks within it. Uh, and that's even before you get to like the EPUB thing that was added a few years ago when iBooks Author went away.
0: Yeah. Now it's it's interesting because your background is more like a page layout. I mean, you yeah. did a lot of that with your college newspaper, and you got a degree in journalism. The um, so you've got a lot of experience with that. Where me, I look at pages as a way to assemble and and print legal documents, which are not so layout heavy. But there's still things that, you know, need to have organization and levels and tables of contents. So maybe we should take that on. Um, How does it do these days as a layout tool and like the traditional kind of publishing stuff that you would do?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is not as powerful as something like InDesign, clearly. But I think that the, the tools that you're provided give you plenty of options to make something that looks really nice pretty quickly. And so they have some templates for like different types of posters and one that's like a tear off, you know, type thing where you peel your phone number off for piano lessons or whatever. But, uh, the ability for you to very quickly change the text and change imagery, uh, it really gets people really far down the road pretty quickly. And, one thing we haven't really mentioned yet is that iWork integrates really well with the rest of sort of the Mac ecosystem. And so you can bring in photos from your photo library without having to drag them into find her or something. You just don't have those options in things like InDesign or, or Photoshop. And so while it's not as powerful as those things, in a way it's way better because you can very easily get something out the door that that looks nice without having to learn some really complicated tool.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like the goal here is to get like basic layout tools in everybody's hands, but not to give you the tools to lay out the New Yorker. Yeah. (laughs) right. Fortunately, you know, there's not a lot of people that are laying out the New Yorker. So, I mean, I think for the vast majority of people in our audience, uh, pages as far as you ever need to go with layout. Yeah. Like, I know when we did, my only experience with layout really has been, you know, projects my kids worked in with school where I, you know, helped them get the the document put together or real basic stuff. Like, I think I had to do a flyer for something and I did a pamphlet once. We did like a marketing pamphlet for a law firm. And all that stuff, pages, was like completely up to the task. And again, you get the benefit of those really beautiful Um, templates that Mm -hmm. kind of give you a starting point where you could just use their template and it's going to look great. Or you could go in and just use that as a starting point to like kind of customize it or change the colors to make it work for you.
1: Yeah. And you also get all of those layout tools that you mentioned in keynote with the alignment and distribution, all of that's here as well. I mean, in a, in a way, I still don't know quite how to phrase this, but in a way, the iWork apps have a lot of overlap with what they can do. At least, or at least in the way that they work. And so, if you're putting something together like a brochure and you need three images across, you know, in traditional graphic design, that's maybe not the easiest thing to do with sort of more freeform tools. But in something like pages, you can just drag them in and resize them and you know for sure they're the same without having to go to some inspector or some tiny print somewhere because it's giving you that visual feedback and that makes people feel more comfortable and makes them feel uh, more and able to do what they have pictured in their mind. Maybe.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because we were talking about Apple works at the beginning of the show, but this isn't Apple works, but it kind of is too, because like you want to put, you know, a chart in that, sh- in that, layout document you can use a numbers chart and just drag it in and it Mm -hmm. works and like they kind of are all of one piece because when you learn the graphic design tools in keynote they apply the same in pages and numbers and when you learn the text formatting in pages you can use that same text formatting in keynote and numbers and everything just kind of works across i like I said, the reason this, this suite gets a whole show of Mac power users every three or four years is because it just continues to be one of the most powerful tools you can use on a Mac. Um, I want to talk about using pages to create, like, documents. Like, you know, yeah. I, in my case, they're, like, legal documents, but if people are listening, it could be sales reports or, you know, essays for class or dissertations. And I know there are more powerful tools for some of this stuff, but... Pages is absolutely up to the task. I represent companies that have a pretty high value and I do a lot of my document like generation in pages because I prefer it. I prefer the layout tools and you know, I like the ability to drop in a line or a square or an image and just have it work. Um, so I use it all the time. It has heading, it has all the things you need. It has headings with customizable styles. It has a beautiful layout it you know, and so i I do like a lot of corporate documents or like uh documents that I don't need to work with other lawyers on are almost always done for me in pages and you know it's self- selecting I've got a lot of clients that are Apple enthusiasts too, some of them come from the show so they want the documents in pages too so I it makes it easy for me to to work with a client but uh, I find Pages is completely up to generating legal documents. There's just not a problem. The only issue, I guess I would say, is sometimes the numbering, the auto-numbering and bulleting is fidgety. It's it's easier to do that in Word. Um, but in general, Pages is fine for that stuff.
1: What about things like commenting and change tracking, which I imagine you've got to do quite a yeah. bit of?
0: Well, I mean, whenever there's another guy, like if I'm negotiating a contract, I just go to word because the other lawyer is inevitably using word and you've got to go to people where they are. I mean, if I go to some fancy lawyer at, you know, a thousand dollar an hour firm and give them a pages document, their, their heads will explode. So I just write it in, in word in that sense. Um, The change tracking in pages is actually very good. I like the user interface element of it better than the way Word does it. It allows you, there's some things like copying and pasting into change tracking comments is in Word sometimes fiddly. I I think there's a bug or something. but, But so a lot of that stuff is more stable in pages for me. That being said, I rarely use it because if I've got another person, we've got to use Word. And Word has added features over the last few years where you can like, you can have multiple comments on the same text between people looking at it and you can resolve the comment. Word has, Word has kind of upped their game on this to like the next level of what you would need. And Pages hasn't done that yet. Um, so it's not as, um, as powerful, but it looks prettier. I mean, that's a theme, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. These applications all look great. I mean, even in our document, I had a couple things highlighted and, just the way they highlight and the way the comments come in like it just looks nice uh, especially me who's used to google docs for everything it's like oh this is really polished and really kind of easy to understand what's going on
0: yeah the page preview mode in in pages is is great the ability to scale the text when you're proofreading is great i mean they they got so many of the little things right with this application I would like to see some improvement. Like I was talking about earlier, I believe bullets and numbering is not as intuitive as it is on word. And there aren't as many options. And that's something I actually have a lot of need for. I'm not sure how many users have a need. Maybe I'm an edge case, but uh, I feel like that could improve um, uh, some of the, Page layout stuff, I think, could improve, too. I mean, they they could always get better at this stuff. Like, a lot of the comments I made earlier about Word, I would like to see them across the whole suite. I'd like to see artificial intelligence used to do a better page layout for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I have the tools and feel like I can play with them, what if you could train an AI that, that understands what makes good design to go and take a crack at it for me? Um, that kind of stuff. I feel like with the push into AI there's room in the iwork suite across the board to make things better for users.
1: It's really interesting to to consider what that would be. I mean, the one of the the tools I think about that and it's not it's not really AI, but it's not not AI, I guess, is something like Grammarly, right? Like bringing even yeah. those sorts of smarts to iwork would be pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, I think Apple should make its own Grammarly and just embed it in um Grammarly does have a plugin like architecture and there is Grammarly for Microsoft word, you know, like you, if you're a Grammarly subscriber, you can hook it up with Microsoft word. They don't do that with pages, you know, and and that's because word is a massive market share compared to pages, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, And so that kind of stuff, Apple really needs to be on their own for another thing about, pages that I think could be easier. And I've kind of learned its foibles over the years, but I think some of the inspectors are kind of cryptic, you know, in their effort to be minimal. Sometimes it's hard. Like one of the inspectors, the format inspector has just a little gear. And under that, it's like character spacing, baseline shift, you know, outline shadows, text background, a bunch of stuff that um, you're not really sure where to put, so they just put it under a gear. I feel like maybe they should take a crack at making this inspector a little easier to discover because like, maybe you want to do a certain capitalization formatting and how are you going to know to go to that little gear to get to that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a problem across the applications and I think that could be something where you're talking about adding smarts to these applications. Like surface the things in the inspector better when i'm selecting something right it does it to an extent in places but there i would think there would be a better way to bring up the tools that you're looking for you know or if if you're always going in and looking for these sets of things in the inspector like give me the ability to customize that i can do that in the adobe applications you can customize what palettes go where and make your own groupings and say if they're expanded or not i would like more flexibility in this, I think particularly in Pages, because there's so much there's so much text control that you need, and very often what you're looking for may not be where you want it.
0: So, where are you using Pages in your daily life, if if at all?
1: Yeah, you know, out of the three, it's the one I use the least often, uh, just because Google Docs is how our business runs and everything is there. Uh, but I do a couple of big projects a year uh, in Pages. So every year, I do this big internal annual report for the company it's just for you know those of us uh you know mike and i and a couple other people but i do it in pages because i can bring in those charts and make those charts uh really easily and i like you know i like the way that it that it looks for me this annual report has a lot of data in it and i mean i'm pulling up 2020s you know it's it's only 15 pages but it's crammed full of information and being able to lay it out in a way that's easy to scan and skim and kind of understand what's happening, uh, that's important to me. And so pages is what I reach for. But, yeah, but day-to-day, it's not its not really in common use for me. Not, not at all like it is for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, as an attorney, I use pages almost daily. Like anytime I form a new company or, you know, any – a lot of the stuff I do as a lawyer, I, I generate documents and pages for that. But I, I think maybe the only thing I can think of ever used pages for is Max Barkey. Was like in two thousand nine when we first started like getting sponsors. I, I made a contract, like a sponsor contract for Mac Power Users, mm-hmm. and that that's still a pages document that you and I share now when we sign yeah. on a new sponsor. So, so there there are some small uses for it, uh, but. But it's mainly online documentation for the stuff I'm yep. doing as Max Barkey. But but on the law side, I actually find myself using quite a bit. I know there's lawyers listening now, rolling their eyes saying, I can't imagine ever not using Word for this stuff. Sure. But um but you know, look at what you're dealing with here with me. Of course I'm gonna try and use pages for this yeah. stuff. And and it works fine. You know, it's totally adequate to it. I I do think a lot of times one of the hangups with this stuff is people will say it's not as powerful but they don't ask the follow-up question is like, do I need that extra power? Hmm. You know, like, and and I think quite often the answer is no. Like when I um was writing those books for Wiley press, I did them all in word because that's what they wanted, but we could have comp- We could have totally written those in pages. We didn't need all the fancy word stuff for those books.
1: Yeah. The idea of an application being quote, less powerful and looking at what those things are. I think that applies to numbers more than any of them, because Excel, out of the Office applications in particular, Excel, I think, is the most complex in what it can do. But at the same time, numbers fits my needs basically 100% of the time, because those things that Excel does are not things that I'm doing, right? If I just need a simple table or a nice-looking chart, I'm not reaching for things like pivot tables, which are an Excel feature that are like, it's kind of in numbers, but not really in numbers, exactly the same way, but I don't need those. And so I don't miss that extra functionality.
0: Yeah. I feel like the pivot tables is like the drinking green of this comparison. It always comes up every time it's mentioned and And they're great if you're going to, you know, orchestrate the hostile takeover of another company, but for a lot of people, you don't need that feature. And it's just a question of whether you do or you don't and mm-hmm. and i know also like another thing that excel has is a lot of people are really good at excel they that's like their programming language they've learned to make excel dance so well that the idea of leaving it is just you know yeah. not good you know and i get it and that's fine you just use excel if that's your thing but there's a lot of us that occasionally want to put together a simple spreadsheet um like another like legal example for me is uh, when I make a new company, we have a page in the corporate book that is a ledger of all the stocks certificates, you know, who were they issued to, what date, how much did they pay for them, stuff like that. And the way it's done is usually like they when you buy a corporate book, like the people preprint these forms for you and you get on an old fancy like Corona typewriter and you type it in. And so I always just throw those forms away and I've built a numbers sheet that is that, and I fill it out online and print it out and put it in the book and it can look really nice. And I just like the way numbers looks. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah. And I I think everything we said about PowerPoint in terms of taste and ability to customize, it's all in numbers as well. I mean, you can make these beautiful charts and graphs and really fine tune them exactly how you want them in a way that I don't think any other application really matches, uh, you know, certainly not Google sheets, which I use a lot of at work, you know, our, our big stuff at relays in Google sheets because of the collaboration works better for us there. But like I said, when it's time to do that annual report, making charts and graphs and I work gives me exactly what, uh, what I want. And, I think the one of the super smart things Apple did in numbers in particular is the way that you build a chart or graph based on a table just totally flows with the way I think a lot of people think. And so you make your table with your columns and rows, and then you basically select out of there what is going to be a chart and you can change the chart type. But the way that it shows you, okay, this bar corresponds to this column or this part of the pie chart is this row. The way that those things are linked visually is so easy to understand. And it's really easy to to be able to wrap your mind around, Okay, this is why this chart looks this way. And if it doesn't look the way I expected it to, it's really easy to get it to do what you were expecting. And you know, for a lot of us, like I don't, I, you know, I'm not Dr. Drang. I don't think in charts and graphs, right? It's not just how, it's not how I visualize the world, but with numbers, I'm able to create things that work for us really pretty quickly with the confidence knowing that I'm showing the data in a way that is accurate and makes sense.
0: Yeah, and the the way they render the charts and graphs is really impressive. I mean, 3D, 2D, most of the common chart and graph styles again i would guess that there's probably more available i haven't checked in excel lately but but the ones that numbers does look gorgeous and when you put them into a pages document or to a keynote presentation you're going to be really happy with the output
1: Uh, one thing i wanted to point out in numbers because it's something that i use in numbers quite a bit so very often I have to download a big CSV. You know, maybe it's from Stripe or Memberful or some other product that we use. And I need to be able to sort the data pretty quickly. And you can do that in Excel or you can do it in in Google Sheets. But I prefer to do it in numbers because the way that it's what they call smart categories. But the way their categories work in numbers, again, really, it just really clicks with me. And so you can... And this big table, select what information you want. It's an, it's in a pretty visual way and you can select, you know, by values or you can say, I want it with this text and not that text. You have all sort of the normal parameters, but the way that it works, I think is a lot friendlier than any other tool. And if you have that sort of problem that I do sometimes of sorting and, categorizing data across a big sheet you know numbers doesn't come to mind immediately for a lot of people but I think it could totally work for you
0: yeah one of the killer features for me with numbers is the ability to put multiple spreadsheets on a single page yes you know and i i get I know there's an argument for the inverse of this like when you open up an excel sheet it's got cells that just go on it seems seemingly infinity but I know there's like an if you go if you scroll far enough they end but It's a massive spreadsheet the first time any new Excel document. Whereas with Numbers, you can make a two by two spreadsheet, and that's all that's on the page. And then you can add a you know six by six one and a twenty by twenty one on the same page, and the data you know talks to itself. So you can you can reference cells from other tables on the same page or even on a a separate page. So it's just I, I really that kind of layout really resonates with me. Because when I make a spreadsheet, it is not the kind of spreadsheet that needs an infinite number of cells. It's right. usually a very limited number of cells. And having being able to put a box around it and then make a separate table that summarizes it or references some other data that I can still use, I find really useful. For instance, with numbers, you can put together a one-cell table. And I use it, in essence, as a variable. Like when I work on resolving cases, sometimes we need to calculate interest. And there's a very specific calculation in the state of California, what the rate you can charge and what days you can do. And so I put together like a a big kind of number sheet, but I need to type in the date that we're starting and everything else is determined for me. But I put that in a big one cell sheet, or one cell table next to the table that does a calculation and I can just click in there and type in the date and it does it. It's kind of like a custom calculator for me, but then I can print that out and attach it to the contractor, send it to the other lawyer and they can check my math if they want. And like that kind of stuff to me, I know you can do that in numbers and I've seen people do very interesting. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I know you can do that in Excel and I've seen people do interesting things like that for, for me, the the, in the way to turn it into individual components that once again kind of just resonates with the way I think
1: the multiple tables per document is, is huge. You know, when I open Excel and it's like to infinity, I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like it's the overwhelming, feeling. It right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like anxiety, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and having, you know, just exactly what you need also makes for much nicer, neater documents. And one of the things that I, I do in our annual report is I'll have a table from this year and a table from the previous year and I could combine them somehow, but and sometimes you want them to be separate, but then I can make them look the same and consistent. And again, it's that visual layout stuff that's across iWork. You know, you don't think about that when it comes to spreadsheets, but it can totally make your spreadsheets easier to easier to read, easier to use. And that means that people are going to be more likely to get the information that I was going to gloss over it because it's a infinity number of cells.
0: And if if you're one of those that's listening and says, well, you know, I've always heard that Excel is more powerful, so I'm going to use Excel. There's just one thing I'd ask you to do. Open up numbers and look at the formula list. Uh, the formula list. I mean, there are so many formulas in there, uh, many of which I have no idea what they mean. You know, it's some bizarre statistical formula or engineering formula that I've never heard of. I'm never going to use it. I mean, for, uh, in terms of... Formula support and like compute power numbers elevator goes way higher than my building already. So you're good.
1: Yeah, I've never done anything in numbers and thought, oh, gosh, it doesn't have the formula I need. I'm sure there are people out there, but for normal folks like me and you who aren't designing rockets in a spreadsheet, it's totally fine.
0: All right. uh, I want to talk before we move on a little bit about the mobile apps. We've been focused, I think in the show a lot on the Mac and that's just because that's where we use these apps the most. But one of the nice things about numbers, keynote and pages is that with the great unification, we got excellent support for these apps on iPhone and iPad, iPad in particular, like I, you know, when I was in that period of time when I realized the iBooks author was probably going away and I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, and I ultimately settled on just making videos, I considered for a while making EPUBs. And Numbers has really, I'm sorry, Pages has really good support for EPUBs. But not only could I work on those EPUB files on my Mac, I could work on them just as easily on an iPad, which I thought was amazing. And I find in general that the, um, that the feature set across these apps is is spectacular. And like when I work on these corporate docs, if I want to whip open an iPad and make some changes, there's not going to be a single problem with that. And I, I just think that we should just take a moment to call out what a good job this team has done of making this, you know, cross-compatible across all the Apple devices.
1: Yeah, it is fantastic. I mean, in, in prepping for this, episode, one of the things that I did was I'd have the document open on my Mac on the web and then I'd go open it on in the native app and then go open it on my phone. And having basically the same tools everywhere and the same document everywhere is only possible because of that that great mobile support. And it's really been only been in the last few years that we've seen that come to Microsoft Office. And Google is so far behind the ball when it comes to good mobile support for especially for the ipad it's just amazingly better when it comes to iWork.
0: yeah and and like a good example is with word which microsoft has clearly spent a lot of money working on making word work good on the ipad but you still run into these little friction points like I use headings in all my Word documents. You know, I want to have heading levels so I can make table of content entries and have, you know, similar formatting throughout. And you can edit all that stuff with pages on the iPad, but you can't with Word. You know, Word, the, the heading formatting is what it is when, it come, when you open the, the tablet. It just never gives you an option to do more with it. And I just feel like that's an example of where, where Apple has kind of gone that extra step with all the stuff for mobile. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Electric. Go to electric.ai/mpu and stop stressing over scattered devices and get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a meeting. So if you're like me, you have a whole fleet of Apple devices and they used to be arranged neatly, carried to and from the office predictably, handed directly to your team members on day 1, used precisely for work and securely connected to the office network. Now they're strewn across the land. Your company iPads, iPhones, and Macs out there connecting to dodgy coffee shop Wi-Fi and mistakenly left behind on cross-country flights. They also may be moonlighting as a child's toy in playrooms turned work-from-home offices. And what could go wrong with that? Thanks to Electric, you don't have to worry about what could go wrong. Electric gives you fully supported device management for Apple devices. Electric Device Management automates device provisioning and setup, remotely enforces security and compliance across your fleet, and gives you visibility into your device inventory and health at all times. Electric uses the world's leading mobile device management providers and tops it off with world-class IT support for fully managed devices. Over 100 IT specialists are ready to field your team's IT requests. So stop stressing over scattered devices, head over to electric.ai/mpu to get started. And just for taking a qualified meeting with their team, they'll give you a pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones. That's electricai.mpu to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones today when you schedule a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users. So what about collaboration, Stephen?
1: What about collaboration? Uh, we need to talk about iCloud
0: uh, because okay. that's,
1: of course, Apple's way of doing this. And they've had some fits and starts with iWork and iCloud. I mean, a long time ago, there was like iWork.com. And basically, it was like a an online way to read and comment on an iWork document. It really wasn't... True collaboration that ran its course for a couple of years and and then uh, and then it went away because it wasn't it wasn't very useful. Right? Like, oh, cool! I can read David's contract, but I can't do anything with it besides yeah. comment. And what we want to do is collaborate. That's what people want. Yeah. And we had the great unification, as you so uh, amazingly called it, in 2013, and that's when iCloud.com gained web versions of pages keynote and numbers with real time online collaboration and in the year since they've changed it and and upgraded it and honestly using at least pages on the web which is what I'm doing right now I'm looking at it in the web browser it's pretty good it's it's better than I thought it would be it's not it doesn't feel very website-ish it's like this you know apple's web apps feel like native apps in a weird way it's kind of weird feeling, but overall, I think it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I well, it you know, all these companies have different priorities. Like you know, talking about the mythical whiteboard we talked earlier, I feel like the Pages whiteboard has always started with make it easy to create beautiful looking documents. I think that is the underlying premise. You know, a user interface that's not cryptic and the output is beautiful. Uh, collaboration, I think, is under that line. I don't think it's the top line. Whereas Google Docs, I think, the top line is make it you know stupid easy for six people to be typing on the same document at the same time, mm-hmm. and you know making beautiful output or simple user interface is below that. I mean, there have, there can only be one. I mean, uh, me and Mike talked about this on the Focus podcast. The word priorities is a recent phenomena. If you look at the Latin root. The priority is a one thing. It's a priority, right? I mean, only recently have humans decided we can have multiple one things. But a priority is your one thing, right? You you can't have two of those, you know. <laughs> it's it's the what is the priority? And I think the software, you know, these developers have a different priority for the software uh, uh, platform. So uh, while collaboration is important to Apple, it's not number one. Whereas with Google, it is. And so you're going to see a difference. Like when you put six people in a Google Doc, it's kind of amazing how everybody can t- be typing at the w- same time and not crash into each other. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think Pages is there yet. But like for today's show, I started a document. I sent a link to Steven. We've both been working on the outline off and on at different times over the last week. Uh, we have both been modifying and changing it today. Steven's doing it on the web. I'm doing it in the pages application, which is obviously not on the web. It's it's taking <laughs> the document and it's, then it's talking to the web and saying, oh, Steven just updated that thing on the web, update it here. But the two of us have been moving things around in the outline as we do the show, as we always do in Google Docs. We've been adding entries and adding notes and comments to each other. And I have not felt like this has been a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, I me mean, neither. The the collaboration stuff has been has been solid. Uh I now I did run into an issue over the weekend where pages was just offline at iCloud.com, but I could still do it in the pages application. And that is one way that it definitely is set apart from some other solutions. We're going to compare this to some other things in a second. Yeah. Um an interesting, more recent thing with this is that anyone can use iWork on the web for free. So you can just sign up for iWork on the web and use it like you would use Google docs and you get a gigabyte of storage for that. And then you're, uh, off to the races. I can't imagine many people are using iWork just on the web and not on an- another Apple device. But having it on the web means that if you are in this world and you have a PC, you can still access these things if they're all stored in iCloud. So it does give you an escape hatch on non Apple devices, but it's, um, yeah, the collaboration has has really impressed me this time. I tried this several years ago and it was it wasn't nearly as good. And seeing it all update and we haven't had any weird sync issues, it's it's won me over, I think.
0: That feature you were just describing about having anybody being able to view it on the cloud actually might solve a problem for me because I have a lot of clients that don't come to me through Mac Power users. You know, they're people who just are out there in the world and they've got a business they hired me as their lawyer. And a lot of times for them, I will default to Word because I assume that's just what I'm going to have to do with them if we have to work with somebody else. And, but they don't own Word and they don't own pages either. You know, they, that's just not what, you know, maybe I got a guy whose business is the business of making motorcycle brakes. You know, he's not going to be that interested in having a word processor. And like when I want to share something with him, I usually just have to print it as PDF and send him as a PDF. And even I will print it as PDF with my change tracking turned on. So he can see that, but giving him an, you know, a pages link, a web link where he could go in and actually see the text on the web and interact with it might be actually a better solution for him.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Maybe at the very least it's going to look nicer. (laughs) Yeah. There's something to to be said for that. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that we didn't say that, but obviously this is the, probably the be- best-looking outline we've had because it's oh, yeah. got all those those tools in it.
1: Yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, a couple of those little things to know about the collaboration. It can work offline. So say that you had that Pages document and your MacBook Air was offline. Uh, those changes are saved and then uploaded to iCloud when you come back online, as long as it's within 30 days. There are... Some features, and there's a there's a list of them in the in the show notes at a, in a support document, a list of features that you can do in the native apps, so like you using the Pages application on your Mac, that aren't supported in collaboration mode. And Apple's workaround is to stop sharing the document, use those features, and then share the document again. And like Apple, that is not a good. S- solution. Like that's not a yeah. solution. And so I hope yeah. they continue to make that better because that's a little bit ridiculous.
0: It's probably just a holding, you know, they're probably working on the feature. And in the meantime, this is the best you can do. But yeah, that's no fun.
1: Yeah. And it's some like really specific things. Um but it's not things that necessarily you're going to never hit. So I don't know. It's that was an interesting thing for me to come across and research for this.
0: Yeah, I, I do think though, collaboration, like so many Apple, like cloud related things got a bad rap early. Like, I, I was like, I had a beef with you guys over on Connected when you had like a document and you had opened it up to like hundreds of people. I forget what. Did oh, you yeah. like publicize it? And you're like, oh, it broke. See, it doesn't work. And I'm thinking, you really weren't very fair. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, we want to find out if we can fly an airplane. So let's, you know, let's put, you know, let's load it up with a hundred cows first and see if it takes off the ground. Oh, it didn't work. So we can't fly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the, I, I think what you've got to do is, is look at this, you know, in terms of the priority collaboration is not the priority of this application, but can you collaborate? Yes. Within reason, you know, if you've got a few people working on it, you're good. And And what shocked me is that, we're working this outline as we record today's show in real-time collaboration and it's not breaking that that's where i thought the test would be
1: uh, what about uh this in comparison with office you're using office a lot more than i am i have it installed but i basically only open it when i have to yeah so h- h- how does it stack up
0: it i mean it's good i mean i think that we have covered that kind of a bit throughout the show and in, in general the apple iworks suite is prettier and simpler and the office suite is more complex and more powerful that said uh that is not as true as it used to be i feel like over the years office has made a lot of progress to simplify their ui and to make it prettier and to make better slides with with powerpoint and to make simpler charts with uh, excel i mean Uh, you know, Office has made moves to kind of bring it together. And at the same time, you know, iWork and iWork suite has become more powerful, you know, they've added additional features and, you know, numbers has more formulas than it did when it first launched. So I feel like they're kind of heading toward each other, but that underlying priority of, um, you know, the iWork suite is there to look good and make nice looking documents is true. And, Office is there to to do whatever you need to do if you're going to use the office suite with your work and whatever power feature you need, they're going to take the extra mile to put it in, and the iWork team is not going to do that. So you've just got to figure out what the priority is for you. I think the fact that iWork is sw- is free for you know anybody that's in the Apple ecosystem um, is enough to let them avoid paying for Office because I you know I pay a subscription for Office. It's no fun you know paying all this money to microsoft every year but i need it for my work if i wasn't a lawyer i probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. and um i think there's a lot of people out there that don't need the office suite um like i've said a few times if you're buying office because you feel like you want the extra power just audit yourself to make sure you're using the extra power because if you're not then you're probably wasting your money yeah a couple things um in general is that you know word and and the office suite is the 800 pound gorilla so they're going to get you know interaction with outside applications like in the legal industry there are apps designed to make better legal documents and they always work with word they never support pages grammarly is the same but you know overall they're they're approaching uh, each other from different directions
1: yeah that's really interesting to me especially in contrast with google docs and Sheets and slides and everything. And I think what you said about the prioritization is spot on. Google's tools are built first and foremost to share with others. Uh down yeah. to the point like if you have an image in a Google Doc, getting it out is not easy. Like you think you just right click and save, but you can't. You've got to export it out, or I just end up taking screenshots of them. It's a real pain. And the so the the polish just isn't there the way that it is in Office or iWork when it comes to Google. But the, the collaboration, having been so good for so long, is what is why people go to it, right? And most people, honestly, don't care or think about the, the difference of, is this document on my computer or just on the internet? And with iWork and Office, you those lines get blurred a little bit, but with Google, it's just like in a out on a server, right? And you just connect to it in your browser and you're in that document. So that model's very different and that model really works for some people. And for other people, depending on the content of those documents or the way they like to work, it doesn't work for them at all. And so comparing iWork to Google Drive and its products is really I don't really think about them as direct competition. Like I I think that they, their strengths are so different from each other. I I don't think that most people would be bouncing between the two of them. I think office is a a much closer competitor than, than Google stuff
0: is. One interesting thing I've noted is I've got some young gun clients, you know, some, some uh, young men and women straight out of college you know, times are weird. They're not sure they can get a job, so they're making their own jobs. You know, they're starting businesses, and some of them I, sure. I work with. And they've grown up using Google Docs through school. Yeah. And Google has such a foothold in the school system that they want their legal work done in Google Docs. They want me to do their contracts and what on Google Docs, and they can comment on them, and we can collaborate with them. Um, and this is where I'm the old guy, but I don't want that to be the final form of the contract when it's done. Um, I don't want them sharing a link with the other guy because I don't want them to suddenly make changes that we didn't know about. And so it's a collaborative environment for me to a certain extent. But at some point, I insist on bringing the text out, putting it into an actual word processing document, applying formatting, printing a PDF and getting people to sign that. And um, I just don't feel comfortable enough with Google Docs because because it is so fluid in nature. I don't want legal docs in Google Doc. You know, I just don't want a finalized version in there. It's it's a fine platform to develop something. But at some point, you've got to, like, you know, say, okay, this is it. This is the one we're going to sign. And then I do other things to it. But it, it's kind of an interesting thing that I think going forward, you know, if we do this show again in five years, there's going to be a lot more people just using Google Docs as the platform of choice because they grew up with it.
1: I think that's absolutely right. And I think when you look at you know who is leading in education that is a strong indicator that google is is really getting people to stick to their ecosystem
0: yeah and i think microsoft office should be concerned about that i do too yeah
1: i think that's it i think that's uh yeah that's the state of i work in 2021
0: yeah it's still a very good platform Uh, i highly recommend it I i don't think it gets enough credit that's why i like to give it a focus on this show once in a while is because A lot of people have this gem on their iPad, iPhone, Mac that they're just not taking advantage of. And there's so much you can do with these apps. I'd encourage you to check them out.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. In fact, I kind of feel like I had been sleeping on this a little bit, and uh, it was good to refresh my experience with it. And uh, yeah, it's especially for something that just comes on your devices, it's really hard to beat these things.
0: I mean, these are professionally made apps, and they're free. Yep, doesn't require a yearly subscription. Just open it up and start using it. Mm-hmm. Either way, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at Relay.fm/MPU. That's where our show is. The forums are at Talk.macPowerUsers.com. Maybe you've got some cool uses for these iWork apps. Share it there. We'd like to hear about it. Um, and thank you to our sponsors this week: Smile, Pingdom, and Electric. We'll see you next week.